This is Business and Bourbon, a podcast where I dig into the hows and the whys of my esteemed guests. I'm your host, Brendan Everson, and today we're diving deep into the professional journey of Johnny Ringo, CEO, Pirate Heads creator and founder, and shipwreck salvage expert. Johnny, how's life? Life is great, man. It's a pirate's life for me. And I didn't just make that up. I heard it somewhere else. <laughs> I just pirated it. <laughs> Isn't that fitting? So uh, as part of this podcast, we've got the uh, business and the bourbon angle of things. So we part of this is we ask our guests to bring on a um, alcohol of their choice. It's business and bourbon or whatever you drink. So um, we've got some stuff that our guest Johnny has brought. Johnny, tell us about what you got us. Uh, I brought a bottle of my Code Key Lime Rum, uh, which is a Florida handcrafted rum consisting of five different flavors, silver spice, mango, key lime, and cinnamon, which is actually the first cinnamon rum to ever hit the, the market, I think worldwide, but definitely in the U.S. And today we're going to talk about the uh, our top seller, which is our Key Lime Rum. Key Lime Rum. So um, you said top seller. So you've got other other rums that come with the, the Key Lime Rum? Yes. The... Um, Silver, which is 80 proof. A lot of your flavor rums are a lower proof, like 42 or 21 proof. Ours are all 70 proof, except for the silver, which is 80 proof. And then the key lime, mango, cinnamon, and the spice are all 70 proof. Okay. And today we're going to feature and talk about the key lime, which outsells the other blends. Because it's a unique flavor profile, we get real creative with the cocktails we make. Uh, it's unlimited what you can do with it. Between rum punches, rum and cokes, mojitos, uh, pina coladas good on cereal it's just it's a great cereal. overall <laughs> good rum smooth already well, here's let's get some ice going for you here so yeah, twist um, my arm pour us up a little bit there and then um i'll tell you about my my little alcohol here so i brought some makers of mark and makers is you know i wanted to stick to the bourbon theme because we've uh we've got got that as part of the, the key part of the podcast. So got some bourbon here and I've always been a whiskey guy, bourbon guy, brown liquor is my thing. So um, one of the reasons I love makers is, is exactly why I'm, what I'm doing right now is peeling this off. I think I've always been a branding guy when it comes down yeah. to, to digital marketing and things like that. Um, so I love the branding that makers Mark has. I think the, um, the wax pour here, whatever they whatever they call this. Yeah, that's very cool and unique. I love it. It's it's incredible. So that's what I've brought, and I I like my Maker's Mark just straight. I like it straight. So I'll uh, I'll leave the go sans ice for. I'm making you one of these too, so you can see what it tastes like. Absolutely. And this is not the my Bloody Mary mix of choice. Typically, I like Zing Zang is my favorite. I've been looking at doing my own line of Captain Ringo's Bloody Mary mix, or it's going to be actually Captain Ringo's Bloody Pirate mix. Okay. Uh, because that's what we actually call this cocktail as opposed to a Bloody Mary. We call it the Bloody Pirate since it's made with key lime rum instead of vodka. Okay. The Bloody Pirate. The Bloody Pirate. And, you know, the Bloody Mary is a vodka drink. So to create a, a cocktail using what specifically should be vodka is really unique because when I say it makes a better Bloody Mary than vodka, it'd be like making a, a vodka and doing a vodka and Coke and saying it's better than any rum and Coke. It just doesn't happen. That's not possible. But I've, ex Exactly. But I've done 60 blind taste tests with the, the Key Lime Rum and the Bloody Mary. This one, 50 out of 60, which is, to me is really incredible. I mean, I'm not a math guy, but what, what's the percentage there? It's about a big 80, percentage. <laughs> it's a big percentage. Um, like, I've never actually had this Bloody Mary mix before, but it should be good since it's got the Key Lime Rum in it. Cheers. Keep to the code. Mm. 
in essence. It's two ingredients. That's uh, good. I, I learned that. That's good. It lightens up the heavy tomato base. I love Bloody Marys. Not that I condone dr- morning drinking, although I do condone it. It's um, after halfway through my second Bloody Mary, I know I'm usually done with Bloody Marys. I'm going to switch to something else and, you know, before church. And, um, but with this here, it lightens up that heavy tomato base. <clears throat> and I created this cocktail about three, two to three months before I launched the brand. I just have a house in Big Pine Key, Florida Keys, my home away from home. And I had a friend of mine, Wynn Westfall. I was in the marble and granite business at the time. And I used to bring him down. He did cabinets and I did countertops. And I always tease him. I said, the only reason I bring you down here is because you make the best Bloody Marys in the world. And I'm like, one year, one day, uh, years ago, I was like, what's your secret to your Bloody Marys? He says, I use an extra overabundance of fresh squeezed lime. And um, like I said, this was, you know, a couple decades ago. And about two to three months before I launched the brand, which is 2015, I was checking on a friend of mine's pet who was actually was down in the keys for a wedding. I opened up his fridge to grab a bottle of water. And I saw a bottle of Zing Zang Bloody Mary mix. It was Sunday morning, about 11 o'clock. I remember thinking, man, this Sunday I could go for a Bloody Mary. And as I'm driving home, I'm thinking about the keys, which I thought about my buddy Wynn, and I thought about the Bloody Marys he made. As I'm driving, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what it tastes like with my key lime rum instead of vodka. So I got home and I tried it. And the rest is history. It was um, <clears throat> my girlfriend at the time. She um, had been hearing for you know months. Here, try this, try this, and you know, didn't matter what time of day it was. And I had her try it, and she started, you know, what is it? I'm like, well, what do you think? What do you think of it? And she's like, well, what kind of vodka is it? And I wouldn't tell her, and she started guessing all these high end vodkas like Belvedere and Grey Goose, and and so finally I said it's uh, made with our key lime rum, and she's like, that's probably the best Bloody Mary I've ever had. I, I mean, and, I, I can't lie. And it's made with rum. It's, it's incredible. You know, I've, I've always been a bloody guy. I've always, I've always started my, my mornings off. Not that I would ever drink in the morning, but right, of course um, I've always started my mornings off. Yeah. Podcasts to do and stuff. Yeah. 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 Night stuff for sure. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good bloody Mary. Now, have you ever done any, you know, I know some bloody Marys get the, I don't know, the spices in there. I don't even know what's in those spices. Oh, your horseradish, Worcestershire, you know, Peppercinis, you could do a lot to spice. I like mine spicy. Like I said, this this is a looks like a Trader Joe's Buddy Mary mix. I'm not even sure how I ended up with it. It's not my favorite mix. Zing Zang's probably my favorite. Okay, it's already got a little bit of a kick to it. Yeah, and uh, but even with the Zing Zang, just two ingredients is all you need. With most of my rums, because they're higher proof than most flavored rums, I think they make superior cocktails because the mixer doesn't overpower the taste of the rum itself. You know, so you get a higher quality cocktail with some. You know, good after effects. So, so tell me about where we can get this this key lime rum here. So, is this is this a part of your your ventures that you've got going on right now? Uh, yes, absolutely. We're available. We were at all Total Wines and more throughout Florida. Uh, a few select ABCs, tons of mom and pop liquor stores. We had an issue a little over a year ago. Our our Florida distributor was to, was a uh, Opeachy family distributing, and after COVID, uh, a while after they shut down their Florida operations, so I had to go out and get a new distributor. And once we got the new distributor, which I was able to land, we then had to resubmit all our formula approvals, label approvals, and we've got everything approved, key lime uh, and silver, not everything. We've got everything except for the spice, mango, and cinnamon approved, waiting on that. So we've been basically this past year getting back into our old, old, old accounts. Okay. And it's been a process. Anytime you're dealing with the federal government, it's somewhat of a pain when just tobacco firearms and alcohol 
So, but Total Wines and More, we're slowly getting back into all their stores. So if, if you want to pick up a bottle, I say check your neighborhood Total Wine and More. Okay. Which I made it in the Total Wines and More, four days shy of a year on the market. They put us in all their Florida stores, which is pretty exciting. I was actually at the home of a dear friend of mine, Jamie Jackson, that's owner of Pusser's Rum. If you're familiar with Pusser's Rum, they're famous for their Pusser's Painkiller. Okay. I was staying at his house one time who lives in Key Largo, and we're about to crash out. And I was checking our report. My goal was... Uh, 150 accounts in the first year and we're almost in 250 until we got into total wine four days out of a year and we made over 250 accounts in the first year 250 accounts 50 out of 60 taste tests i mean it's good stuff it's good yeah, stuff thank you thank you very much and and there's, there's a pirate angle to all of this too you know you've mentioned we were talking a little bit before the podcast right. and you mentioned a few different pirate things i've I've noticed your, I did a little bit of a perusing through your LinkedIn page. Stalker. And, <laughs> and, you know, I've written copy in my life. I've read a lot of copy in my life. I've been in marketing all around. But seeing that description of the Pirate Heads group on your LinkedIn, I was th some of the best copy I've ever seen written in my life. Well, thank you. And it just made me incredibly curious. So tell me all about it. Yeah, the Pirate Heads is a social group I started. Uh, I think back in 2009 or 2010, I got a request from someone to join a Parrot Head Club. And I jokingly said to myself, I'm going to start my own club, but I'm going to call it Pirate Heads. And it kind of did it as a joke. And people started joining the group. And I'd always put together these little weekend events for my friends, well, weekend getaways for my friends and stuff. And, uh, you know, when I say little, I'm talking, you know, six to 12 of us would go, I plan a trip. Hey, we're going to the West Coast this weekend. So I started Pirate Heads in 2000, January 2010. We went to a resort called Captain Hiram's in Sebastian. And we had seven rooms with our group. We went back three months later. We had 28 rooms. No, 21 rooms. Went back three months after that. We had 38 rooms. So the group had grown. And there used to be a, a place called the Rum Bar in Palm Beach Gardens. And we started, I went to them and said, what's your slowest night of the week? And they said, Tuesday. So I want to do my Pirate Heads monthly meetup here on a Tuesday night. And uh, we started doing our Pirate Heads monthly meetup every first Tuesday of the month at the Rum Bar. And we'd have, I'd have 100 to 150 people up there for our, our Pirate Heads meetup. If I go back up there and ask them what their slowest night is, they're not going to say Tuesday anymore, are they? They're not going to say anything because they, they've <laughs> torn the building down. It's, it was next to Panama Hatties. So it's, the Rum Bar is gone now. But eventually before they left, we moved, I started moving around to different bars. And every month we'd do a meetup at a different bar. And the bar owners would put out appetizers for us and give all my Pirate Heads crew, uh, you know, drink specials. And it's funny because that's how, because of Pirate is how the rum company actually came about, which is a pretty cool story. Um, we're doing a monthly meetup at Kirby Sports Bar and Grill in okay. Juneau Beach. I'm at Kirby's. And um, a guy reached out to me on Facebook that um, said he thinks Pirate Heads and Pirate's Choice Rum is a marriage made in heaven. I'm like, what's Pirate's Choice Rum? And this guy he had a rum company, which I didn't realize at the time was just shutting down. And we kind of chatted on Facebook for a little bit. And um, I don't know, a week or two, three weeks later, he said he's going to be in West Palm for a meeting and want to know if we want to have a rum drink. So ironically, we met at the rum bar, which is still there. <laughs> and it's funny how one thing can change your life. Because we sat there talking, and he informed me that his daughter, Nikki, was uh, – was a Marine. She was in the Marines in this remote region of Afghanistan. And uh, she was their platoon Santa that year. And she was you know, responsible for trying to get, you know, people to send stuff to their platoon and everything. And he was telling me the story there. It's like really remote region where they had electricity sporadic throughout the day. And one of the kids would get a card from home and other kids weren't getting anything. Um, and they would just pass it around just so they could touch something from back home. 
And um, I remember thinking, I, you know, looking back, I could have said, you know, ooh, Rod, thank you for our service, went back to our rum drink, and that could have been the end of it. But the way my mind worked, my thought was, you know, I'm putting together this group of people every month. What can we do to help support them? So I said, maybe next month we'll make it, uh, you know, the meetup would be a party with a purpose. And I spoke, spoke to Sean Kirby, the owner of Kirby's, and said, hey, I want to put together this event where he put out, you know, appetizers like we typically do. And um, everybody that brought in a non-perishable, they got a raffle ticket, uh, they got a free drink, and he gave us these two beer bins to put the stuff in. I figured, you know, my friends would come with a can of this, a can of that, and people are coming in with like a case of toothbrushes and a case of toothpaste and a case of canned chicken. And like 45 minutes, the beer bins were overflowing. And it was really, it was really awesome. I got a shipping company to ship it to Afghanistan for free, which they were surprised that we had it literally filled up an SUV if the seats folded down. And my former partner in the rum company, he was overwhelmed, like literally to the point of tears saying his daughter is going to, she's going to freak when she, all the stuff that we sent, we did a long sleeve pirate has t-shirt that everybody signed and they flew it underneath the American flag from their flagpole in Afghanistan at their barracks. And that kind of forged our friendship and kept our friendship going. Like I said, I could have said, Urad, thank you for our service and I may have never seen him again, but because we had this, this event, he came into town for it. Uh, we shipped a bunch of stuff over to their platoon and I start picking his brain about, you know, what's it take to start a rum company? It's like, you know, time and money. And <clears throat> so that's kind of how the whole thing came about me doing this, this, you know, event to, ship non-perishables over to his daughter's platoon and next thing you know had this crazy notion to start a rum company so a pirate with a soft side you'd say ah can they hear us <laughs> something like that you know I'm, I'm big into the charity stuff even before i started the rum company uh, i met a, a cool guy ray lorenzo he's down stingray fishing outfitters in, in jupiter and he started this lighthouse ladies kdw fishing tournament uh, a decade ago, and they brought me on board the second year to throw the party surrounding it. By year four, I was a tournament director. The tournament ran for eight years, I think. And I got busy with the rum. He got busy, so we turned it over to the charity. And 100% of the proceeds went to the Lighthouse for the Blind in the Palm Beaches. So I always try to get involved in any charity stuff. I figure if you've got the presence and the people you can put together, and if you're not doing something towards local charities to help somebody, then you're, you're kind of wasting your time. So I'm real big on the whole charity aspect of everything local and a long list of things I've helped support and stuff. And it makes me feel good, you know? Yeah, I mean, helping people. It's just all about helping people. That's what we do here. That's what, that's the, that's the, right. whole, the whole purpose of the Absolutely. The thing, so. Now, you know, expanding a little bit on that pirate, that pirate aspect of things, you know, you're, you're wearing it right now on you. And, I, and as somebody, I used to collect coins when I was a kid and we went, we would go on all these vacations and I'd get these pirate treasure coins. I've heard of the gold doubloons, the silver right. doubloons. So I'm, I can't wait to hear what that is. I, I have a feeling I'm going to love it, but you're a part of something bigger than that too. You're part of a salvage company. Yes. I, um, I'm not doing it full time now, but, um, back when MySpace was around <clears throat> and I started doing these, the first time I dressed as a pirate was for fantasy fest. Uh, I, like the year before Pirates of the Caribbean came out. And I had this girl, Heike, make me this replica cap. Because everybody said, like, Captain Morgan. So I said, well, if I'm the look, I'm going to dress like him. So I had her make me, like, this as close as she could make it to Captain Morgan. And uh, me, her, and another friend of mine, Sherry, went down to my house in the Keys. And we went to Fantasy Fest. And it was just the response. Because there was nobody, no other pirates were dressed up. No people weren't dressed as pirates back then like they do now, I guess. And I was got an overwhelming response. We couldn't walk five feet without people taking pictures of us. I closed my eyes that night in the shower and there's flashbulbs going off. And I'm like, I kind of like this pirate thing. 
And a guy reached out to me via MySpace saying he's looking to do something out of Jupiter. And it turned out to be a radio show, which ended up being called Pirate Soup Radio. And it was a two-hour show on WBZT, 1230 AM. We talked about anything, you know, pertaining to the ocean, fishing, sailing, diving, treasure hunting. And he was a shipwreck salvage. He was a captain for Seafarer Exploration Corp, uh, which are based out of Tampa. It's a publicly traded company. And I sold my granite business. And for a year, I didn't know what I was going to do. He's like, well, you don't have a job. Why don't you start diving with us? So the next four years, I did it full time. Every, every day, weather permitting, during, you know, weather permitting, we went out to Jupiter Inlet. We had a wreck off Juno Beach. I got to go out and search for sunken treasure. So you were actually the guy in the water diving yes. down. Yep, yep. I made $300 a week. It was the best job I ever had. $300 a week. $300 a week. It was awesome. I'd go back to doing just that if I could. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. And we, we followed this trail for about three years. Uh, we found the anchor in 77 feet of water. And we come to realize that the treasure is still out there. It's probably a billion or more in treasure, but it's, and it's only in 20 feet of water. The problem is it's underneath about 40 feet of sand. And the state won't let us dredge. We can only blow holes with the familiar treasure boats. You've seen one. If you ever see a boat with these two big metal contraptions on the back, or one, it's a, what they call mailboxes. And it's a, it basically deflects the prop wash. So when you anchor the boat, you know, bow anchors, two stern anchors, where the boat can't move, you put the lowers down, put the motors in place, and you just slowly, and it displaces the sand. And it'll blow a hole the size of this room in 10 feet of water, 20 feet deep in, you know, 30 minutes, and you just get in with metal detectors, and that's how we get our, our spots. And, and uh, so we couldn't get to it. We couldn't blow deep enough, and the state won't let us dredge, so it's still out there. So what do you do at that point? You just hope that that's the ocean washes it away, or...? It's a big hope when it's that deep. Nothing we can do. We just move on to the next site. Okay. And, you know, people don't realize that the Treasure Coast is not some, you know, cute nickname. It's actually that because you have the treasure boats that, you know, went around the coast and came up, you know, laden with treasure in the Gulf Stream. So there's um, the 1715 fleet off Sebastian, Vero Fort Pierce up there, where 11 ships went down the same night in a storm. And they're still finding stuff on that shipwreck on a regular basis. Every season they find something. Up there, they have a shorter treasure season because the, the currents and the, the visibility up there because of the placement of the inlet and everything. Whereas Juno Beach, we could dive in 70 feet of water in December and have top to bottom viz. But up there, it's a little different. They've got a limited season, like 103 days or something on average. Um, but after the storm, Nicole would have been a good time to go up on the beach off Sebastian with just a metal detector. And because that, that sand turns up and you never know what could turn up because there have been some amazing things, coins as well, found on the beach up in Sebastian, Fort Pearson. So that's interesting because my neighbor, actually, she, she metal detects all the time. She's a, yeah. a retired uh, sheriff. And um, so she's she's just loving it. And she was like, I was hoping to find a shipwreck coin after the hurricane. Yeah, it's, it's, it happens all the time. Thankfully. I mean, not every time, but it happens more often than not. I don't know. I mean, I think that's crazy. So shipwreck coin. So back to back to your necklace. Did you find that on one of your dives? How did that happen? I did not. This is a coin off the Atocha shipwreck off of Key West that Mel Fisher, who's like the world's most famous treasure hunter. I'm dear friends with the the family of of Mel Fisher. We're all awesome people. And um, I always said I could never buy a coin. I even had to find it myself or I had to receive it as a gift. And this one was a gift. And it's, it's probably a grade three you know, a Tosha coin. Uh, and these are actually two emeralds. So these two little emeralds are from the Tosha, and they're actually worth more than the coin. Really? 
Yeah, because they're extremely rare. And it's uh, it's an awesome point. I love it. Um, but we did a, um, which hopefully I can touch on it later, about a cruise I'm doing next year in 2023. But um, in 2019, out of Port of Palm Beach, I did a Pirates cruise. Uh, a dear friend of mine, Alan Baylog, he wrote uh, this book, Black Sails, 1715, about the, about the shipwreck up in Sebastian. Great guy. Him and I partnered up. We did the first Pirate Fest on the High Seas. Uh, which now the ship to Margaritaville at sea, but it was the Grand Classica with Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line. So we did this pirate-themed cruise in two, June of 2019. We had fellow treasure hunters came on. We did like a lecture series that Friday night. We had treasure hunters come on. We had Alan Baylog that wrote Black Cells. We had uh, Don Bates that drew the original Captain Morgan character on the Captain Morgan bottle. And, um, and Taffy Fisher and her husband, Michael, her, grand, her daughter, Nicole, and her husband, um, so we had, you know, real bona fide treasure hunters, and they brought artifacts on board, including a hundred thousand. I should have brought it with me. A hundred thousand dollars silver bar from the Atosha. I think they found eleven hundred of them, and uh, wow. this one was seventy-seven pounds. Um, it was pretty amazing because it's you know over four hundred years old, and it's funny. Taffy and I got together, and we said for the pirates' ball this, on Saturday night, we're gonna give away the silver bar. We're going to do a contest. You're going to actually win the silver bar. And everybody's like, what? Blah, blah. And, but, you know, how do we do that? Well, you'll find out tomorrow night. And what it was, they, all they had to do was be able to pick it up, put it in their pocket, and walk away with it, which is virtually impossible yeah, because, no, it's, it's huge. But every night, Taffy, she actually called me at like 7 o'clock in the morning of the cruise. She's like, I should have thought about this before, but I want to bring a silver bar from the Atosha on, on the ship. You know, how do we do that? You know, we, because all our stuff had gone through customs the day before. I'm like, just bring it. We'll, we'll make it work. So unbeknownst to us, when she talked to the purser on the ship about storing the silver bar at night, he's like, okay. And he's like, what's, what's it worth? She's like, about $100,000. And he stopped. She's like, I'm not going to be responsible for that. So we wheeled around in a little overnight luggage, you know, the whole weekend. And every night we put it on the dinner table at the, you know, the dinner dining room for the cruise. And we put a little stick of butter and a butter knife on it. And people got to actually pick it up and hold it. But just to have something like that, you know, treasure diving itself you're down there isolated, you know, bottom of the ocean looking for this. And my mind would wonder that we're, we're actually collecting the, the past with the present that, you know, it's the intrinsic value of finding, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of silver and it changing your life or silver or gold. But then you think, I think about the, the people that were actually on the ship. They had families and, you know, it's dark at night and there's, there's waves and wind starts increasing and what must have been going through their minds is they realized that the ship is not going to make it through this storm. And it must have been a hairy situation, even hairy for the ones that did survive, because the king always said, don't sink my ships, beach them. So they always head for the shoreline. I think one, one ship outran the storm. And there's a couple of museums up in Sebastian. Uh, but one of the McCarthy's Museum, they've actually got a replica of, the, of the, the campsite that the survivors from the 1715 fleet where they you know, made an encampment on the beach. And the mosquitoes and no CMs and I mean, must have been a then. horrible existence. I mean, I I walk in my car before the air cools off and I'm about to freak out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Mad. I'd be like, I would have rather have gone down with the ship than to deal with this summer heat in Florida. It was it must have been horrific living conditions. But that's part of Florida history and the whole treasure diving thing and and uh, it's a lot of fun, you know. So I started with the you know the pirates and the treasure diving and the rum. My life is just this progression. I don't know what's next, but I, I think Maker's Mark's probably going to be next. But uh, <laughs> You know, it's it's all cool stuff. I mean, I, I think you, you touched a little bit on something that, that might maybe next. So you, so you said 2023 for the next pirate cruise. So talk a little bit about that. What's, yes, what's going on? Yes, I actually brought uh, 
got flyers for you guys. So it's going to be, when I was looking, we did the cruise in 2019. It was going to be an annual event, but then COVID hit, kind of changed the world. Um, so everything just kind of came to a screeching halt. And then after doing that time, that downtime, they uh, pulled the boat out of the water, the Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line. They rebranded the ship. They partnered with Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. And they rebranded it as the Margaritaville at Sea. And I reached out to them about doing another cruise, and, and they were down for it. And as I'm working on the, the social media aspect of the event, the details, I'm like, why am I going to just do a Pirates cruise? Why don't I do a Pirates and Parrot Heads? Because the whole Margaritaville theme, and that's how the Pirates and Parrot Heads Party in Paradise cruise came about, which takes place January 13th through 15th. It's a three-day cruise. Um, and they've got plenty of ship entertainment on and stuff, but I want to bring, because we did a, a pirate ball or pirate party that Saturday night on the original cruise. So we decided in the biggest room on the ship, the Oasis room, we're going to do a private party each night, which is $30 for the party. Um, but probably my favorite singer songwriter now, uh, a singer songwriter named Jesse Rice. He's going to headline the cruise for me. And uh, a friend of mine, Harry Tiefert that does radio A1A, talking about the cruise when I was in the planning stages of it, he's like, you got to get this guy, Jesse Rice. And I'm like, Jesse Rice. And I start checking out his music. And he's a country guy. He actually wrote the song Cruise for Florida Georgia Line. He co-wrote okay. the song Cruise. And even though he's country, he did this series of CDs called The Pirate Sessions, where he sings about rum, pirates, treasure, the keys. I'm like, this guy sings about my life. And I knew we'd sponsored an event for this guy, Sam Densler, the Pirates and Mermaid Festival over in Punta Gorda uh, a couple of years back. So I reached out to Sam because I knew they were friends. I said, Sam, you know, can you get a hold of this Jesse Rice guy? Tell him I'm planning a cruise. I want him to headline it. And if he gives me a good deal, I'll take him out treasure diving on a real shipwreck. Okay. And uh, Sam got back to me after Jesse got back to me. He said, yeah, he, he's excited about it. Let's do it. So we actually did the treasure diving trip with Sam and uh, his wife, Gina, and Jesse Rice. Um, I want to give a shout out to Captain Bill Black and Josh Fisher, Mel Fisher's grandson. We went out on one of their treasure boats, and Jesse got to actually go out with us and, and treasure dive on a real working treasure boat, and we had a blast. <clears throat> he got a, uh, we found the smallest ballast stone I've ever found, and Jesse got to keep the ballast stone, take it home with him, and, and so he's stoked about that. And he's an incredible talent. I mean, just the singing aspect of it and just the songwriting aspect. I, I love his music. If you haven't checked it out, you got to check it out. And these series, he's getting ready to release his fifth Pirate Session CD. So he's headlining the cruise and um, for the private party each night. Uh, also, I got this guy, John McDonald, who actually wrote the Code Rum song. We filmed a music video at the Old Fish House in Grant, Florida. And um, he wrote it. We had 100 Pirates came out. And his friend Dan did an incredible music video for the song, uh, which is really cool. So we got John McDonald, um, another guy, TJ Brown, and then still pan drummer, John Patty's going to join us. He's going to play with Jesse each night. And it's just a good, you know, along with all the other stuff that ship has, we're going to do these private parties each night with limbo contests and hula hoop contests. Mm -hmm. We're going to do pirate costume. And the theme is pirates and parrot heads. So I like to say we're going to do parrot head by day and pirate head by night because the pirate garbage gets a little hot. So save that for the evening, <laughs> but I will do all kinds of fun contests at the private parties each night. And, um, it should be a really fun cruise and getting those two demographics together. Cause they're all love the same thing. Uh, and, you know, and so, so parrot heads just, and you know, for, for those of us that may not fully be aware of what's going on, that's the Margaritaville side. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Limbo is a little tough for guys like us. Yeah. I, mean, I had a buddy who was so good. He could go on there a rug. <laughs> Jeez, I don't, I don't have the flexibility for that. I'm six foot two. I, 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 I can't do it either. I don't no, even no. like to bend down to pick up a 
<laughs> and I just, I just, I don't, I just leave it. Hopefully it's nothing expensive, <laughs> like a coin. Um, but yeah, so Parrothead and the Pirate Head. It's funny because Jesse and I, he actually, his fan club base is called Pirate Heads, Jesse Rice fans. So I'm like, okay. we're leaving this, living like these parallel lives. And he actually does a song, Too Drunk to Meet Jimmy Buffett, which is one of my favorites by him. And it's based on a true story where one of his buddies was playing with the Coral Reefer band one night. He invited them all out to come see him, all access passes. And their one friend, when he got the memo, he'd already been day drinking. So when it came time for them to show up at the venue, they're like, where is he at? And, and they called him. He's like, man, I, I'm not going to make it. They're like, why? He's like, I'm too drunk to meet Jimmy Buffett. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Song. Isn't that the, the, the point? And so Jesse wrote a song about it, and it's a it's a really good song. So who can come on this cruise? Is this is everybody? This... It's uh it's open to everyone. You can't book it online. Uh, you have to call the it's um one eight hundred number eight hundred seven one four no eight hundred eight one four seventy one hundred. Option four group code is sixteen eighteen, or just tell them you're on the you know party in paradise cruise. You can't book it online. It uh, starts at two twenty nine per person plus your port fees, taxes, which is a good uh, cruises like that are a really good deal because you can't go to Orlando even for, you know, two twenty nine for the weekend. You're going to spend that a night on a hotel room yeah. and then you got to buy your breakfast, lunch and or dinner or whatever. And it's just a good price because all your meals are included. You're okay. going to a Bahamian island. It's going to Grand Bahama Island. Uh, we're working on a shore excursion now uh, with my friends from Tropically Impaired to do an island party for our excursion which will include transportation to and from the ship, you know, uh, burgers, hot dogs for lunch, a uh, bunch of giveaways. We're going to take a T-shirt cannon and, and just make it fun. You know, the whole aspect of the weekend is going to be a, a really good time, really fun crowd, I think. So for way less than 500 bucks, you can get a yes, whole weekend. absolutely. I think with the port fees and taxes, it's another like a, and gratuity. So your tip's included even. I think it's like another 118 So it's like $335 a person for the whole weekend. You know, three-day, two-night cruise, all meals included, going to the Bahamas, a bunch of pirates and parrot heads. Certainly wouldn't be me. I wouldn't know. But I know friends of mine, for sure, that have spent that night on uh, on a certain street around the area here. But, oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you no. Know, I mean, you can uh, you can spend that a lot. So, I mean, what, for a weekend cruise, easy. Yeah. Easy, easy and night. it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm dealing directly with Margaritaville marketing people, and they've been great to work with. So they want to know what my ultimate goal was. I said, my ultimate goal is to, in about three years to book out the entire ship, which I think there's 1,658 cabins, and have Jimmy Buffett come on and do our Bon Voyage toast for us. You know? so Incredible. We'll see. we'll see what happens with it. I think we can get there. I think we can get there. Is there anything else we should know about you, John? Oh, let's see. Uh, no. I want to give a shout-out to my son, Skyler, who, like yourself, does digital marketing. They're expecting my their first child in February, Beckett. It'll be my fourth grandchild. So that's awesome. Incredible. So other than that, yeah, man, just check out Code Rum, thecoderum.com, Total Wines and More, Keep to the Code. That's actually our trademark tagline. It's from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, uh, Keep to the Code, and where you got to go. It was more like a guideline. And that was, I didn't think I'd get that trademark, but I actually got it past Disney, so I actually own Keep to the Code as trademark. But I had, originally Rum was going to be Pirates Code Rum, but Patron uh, John Mitchell, the hair salon guy, they opposed my trademark because they have a rum called Pirate Rum, P-Y-R-E-T. Mm. And they're a $4 billion corporation. So they, they won the fight about that trademark. But I got key to the code, so that was good. There you go. There you go. Well, this has been Business and Bourbon with Johnny Ringo. And I'm going to have a sip of this bourbon right now. Cheers, Johnny.
Uh, you can find us on Apple Music, Apple, whatever the Apple is, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. And uh, look out for our next episode coming up soon. This is awesome. It's been great, man. I love the vibe of, of everything you guys are doing here, man. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming, Johnny. All right.